The podcast you're about to hear was recorded in Anchor. To start your own conversation, go to anchor.fm to download the app or find us in the App Store. Patrick. Hey, folks. So I've got kind of a speculative question to put out there today. So a couple days ago, I was at the American Museum of Natural History at the Isaac Asimov debate, um, moderated by Neil deGrasse Tyson. It was an amazing event, a really amazing panel. And the question on the table was, is the universe a simulation? So people were kind of coming at this from a very practical physics perspective. Max Tegmark was there, Lisa Randall, James Gates, um, and as well as sort of the philosophy side of like, okay, well, how would we ever know that? How could we prove it? Um, and it's got into this really sort of deep probing into the nature of reality. Um, what can we test? And what are the limits of what we can perceive? So uh, things like Gödel's incompleteness theorem, which says that essentially mathematics cannot uh, prove everything. There are limits to what it can prove. And Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, which essentially says there are limits to our physics, to what we can observe in the known universe. And so I'm curious to know what people think about this question. You know, there have been a lot of media representations uh, there's like the Truman Show, right, which is sort of a simulation, but it's built by people in this regular world. There's the Matrix, right, which is the, the exact, you know, question that's com coming up here. Uh, there's Inception, where you're within a dream. So whether it's from the physics perspective, from the philosophy perspective, or from the science fiction perspective, I've loved, I'd love to hear people's thoughts. Are we in a simulation? What's the story? Wow, Patrick, freaking me out. Um, I think that if we are in a simulation, we would never know that we were in a simulation, just like Truman. Did he ever find out? I don't know. So does it really matter is my question. Um, if we are in a simulation, then we should completely change all of our values because... It is a simulation. Hmm. I think there's a Buddhist sect that, a large one, I think it's Buddhist, that believes that life is a simulation. It's all a big, like, theater play. And I think that they, they, they live on that precept. Patrick. Hey, Ray, this sparks so many things, but I'll just put a few ideas here. Yes, there's this idea of maya uh, that essentially means illusion in Sanskrit, and that gets used in ancient Indian Vedic traditions, Hinduism, and then later in Buddhism to basically kind of describe the situation we find ourselves in where what we perceive may not be the core truth of what's actually real. Um, and Buddhism kind of later used this to connect to the cycles of death and rebirth that you know we're sort of trapped in that enlightenment or nirvana is an escape from i also want to throw this metaphor and imagery in there of indra's net which is this beautiful kind of infinite spider web where at each intersection there's a diamond and in each diamond is reflected the whole rest of the web so each other diamond so that's kind of this layering universe within each universe idea that i think is really beautiful John. 
Hey, Patrick, interesting topic. I thought a little bit about this. Um, I was a physics major, so we didn't talk explicitly about this, but we kind of, it came up a few times. And I think one of the most interesting facets of this is just kind of the argument for why we even could be in a simulation and what that would even mean. And I heard one argument once that was essentially that if, if we assume that life in the universe gets to a point at which it's technologically advanced enough to make a simulated universe within a computer, if we feel like life will get to that point, then at that point, there will be more simulated universes than real ones because life around the universe are going to be making these simulations in computers. And if there are more simulated universes than real ones, then the probability of being within a simulated universe is just higher than the probability that we're in the real one. So that's always kind of tickled my brain in an interesting way, and I thought that was an interesting thing to add here. Patrick. Yeah, John, totally. That's a really important uh, point to throw into the conversation. It sounds like uh, sort of a formulation of Nick Bostrom's simulation theory argument uh, that, yeah, it, if there are all these universes, who's to say we're not inside one of them? Um, and that uh, essentially we are in this evolutionary process where we're already to the point of creating primitive simulations, you know, in video games and uh, other worlds, um, Second Life, things like that. Who's to say there's not a more advanced uh, civilization that created us or not even necessarily a creator, but just a, uh, an entity or a, a phenomenon. And that's kind of what Neil deGrasse Tyson ended the, the night on. John. Yeah, Patrick, totally on the same page. Um, did they say at all at this um, event you went to, did they say at all kind of what things we might be able to do to test that we were in a simulation? I didn't really read too much about that particular thing, just more about kind of the Nick Bostrom's argument, like you mentioned. Did they mention at all kind of any ideas of how we could test that? Patrick. Yeah, so in terms of actually testing the hypothesis of are we in a simulation, uh, Zore Davudi, I think that's how you pronounce her name, Z-O-H-R-E-H-D-A-V-O-U-D-I, is a PhD physicist at the MIT Center for Theoretical Physics, and she and her team are working on this question right now uh, from a practical perspective. They're trying to build a simulation of the universe, different scenarios, and get it as close to reality as possible. Start from a few things like quarks and gluons and see if you can get emergent phenomena like atoms. Um, and then also testing for things that appear in our world that are essentially glitches. John. That's crazy. I, I love how humans just try this sort of thing. Where it's like, we're, we're going to make a simulated universe in a computer and make it exactly like ours, and we're going to do that. And people go and they just do it. So I think that's just, that's cool. Laura. Are you saying we're like in some huge diorama? I can't, I, mm, I can't really think like that. <laughs> well, I can actually, because I've seen the Truman Show and I, understand the properties of all these things but yeah Whew. we're in a diorama patrick 
Hey, Laura. Uh, yeah, I think diorama is a really interesting way of thinking about it. It's especially from a philosophical perspective. That's essentially what we're talking about. So, you know, there's the Truman Show. There's also this amazing film by Charlie Kaufman, uh, Synecdoche, New York play on words with Schenectady there. <laughs> um, but it's basically like he goes and he's creating art about his city and about his own life. And then he sort of becomes the art and he's populating the art and he's going deeper and deeper into the city and deeper and deeper into dioramas and replicas and his own mind. Um, and simulacrum of what's around him. So it's a really fascinating film. And I think th that's a lot of, I think what we do when we create art is we sort of create this world that we inhabit and we sort of populate it with other people that remind us of our own reality. Hey, this is Mike from Anchor. So I haven't heard enough of the arguments to say whether or not I think we are living in a simulation. But I do think that as virtual reality technology improves and gets better and better and taps into more of our senses, I could see a world in which many of us are living in a simulation, where many of us are plugged into virtual reality most of the day, if not all of the day. I personally would not want to live in a world like that, but I'm sure there are people that, that would do that. I mean, if you think about some of the usage patterns that have existed around uh, multiplayer games like World of Warcraft and Second Life, which you mentioned, if the experience was that much more real and that much more natural, I could absolutely see people living in it all the time, which would create a simulation for, for those people. Patrick. Hey, Michael, totally interesting dynamic to it. Yeah, the idea that we would opt into that world by choice. I don't know if you've read Ready Player One, uh, but it's an amazing book that deals with just that idea. It's essentially like as if Facebook uh, were merged with Second Life and everybody, like 90% of the global population were on it, uh, like 50% of the day, you know, so people spend most of their time, most of their waking life in this virtual world. Ernest Klein wrote it. It's just an amazing book, and especially with things like Facebook's acquisition of Oculus Rift and the development of virtual reality, uh, I think this is sort of a very real possibility that we could be moving towards. Jake. So, I, lo I love this topic. Um, two things. The first is that I think if our reality is a, is a simulation, then it's sort of irrelevant. So I think any simulation that is sufficiently advanced, like our reality would be, is indistinguishable from reality, right? Like, what's the difference then between reality and the simulation once you have sentient beings, you know, living in it? Um, the other thing is that, you know, I think it's more likely than not that we're living in a simulation. Um, if you imagine what humans would be capable of a hundred years from now or a thousand years from now, it seems like we should be capable of building a simulation as accurate as reality. At which point we could be building, you know, hundreds or thousands or basically an infinite number of simulations could run concurrently. And if we can do that, then there's there'd be more simulations running than there is realities. So it, it seems more likely than not. Patrick. 
Yeah, Jake, I, I totally find the probability argument very compelling. I mean, I think uh, that it's very likely that we'll be able to create simulated universes someday, even if they're not infinitely complex. Of course, the problem of infinity brings up a lot of challenges. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then in terms of them being indistinguishable, I also totally agree. Once you get simulated universes, where's the difference and why does it matter? I, I guess the one difference is that theoretically a simulated universe can just be unplugged, whereas uh, something that's sort of happening of its own accord can go on perhaps indefinitely and really isn't controlled by an outside force in that same way, perhaps. Benjamin Payne you mentioned uh, Truman Show, and that actually brought to mind this uh, Truman Show delusion that I just watched a video on from, I believe, The New Yorker. There was a guy, at least one guy, I, w I wouldn't be surprised if there were more, but they profiled one guy. They didn't show his face, but they had his narration, and they kind of reenacted it, of how he believed he was actually essentially Truman, and that he was, not Truman, but his life was essentially being watched on by everybody. Everybody who knew was just basically an actor, and and it was kind of creepy <laughs> how, how he, he thought his whole life was a simulation, in a sense. Patrick. Ben, dude, you've sent me down a rabbit hole, uh, the Truman Show delusion. I checked out the New Yorker article, it's awesome, and uh, apparently this is just a larger phenomenon. I have a confession, actually. I, as a kid, definitely thought about that possibility. I don't. I wouldn't say I went all the way into the delusion and believing it, but I thought a lot about like looking at myself in the mirror and wondering if other people were watching me and thinking about that kind of all the time. And I asked my wife, I talked about this with her, and, and she actually had the same thing when she was growing up. And I wonder, because like, from your perspective, like that's the world is always like that. So I wonder if that's just a common thing that people kind of experience. The other thing it brings up is just the sort of surveillance state that we live in now with, you know, cameras everywhere, you know, partly just the citizens, but also cameras in stores and people being able to scan webcams even when you're not um, activating them. And, uh, you know, Google being able to search your emails for ads to target at you and uh, privacy and cybersecurity. We live in a world where that definitely encourages and, and makes you think about like how you're perceived all the time. You know, you're taking selfies, you're recording yourself on Anchor. So I think that's kind of an interesting element in terms of this observed world and observed life. How do you live that and how do you make that as genuine as possible? John. Hi, Patrick. I would say that maybe people are individual universes, I guess you could say, walking around within a universe. And there are things that humans are aware of to alter perceptions, to alter feelings and moods. Virtual reality is one of them. But there are also things that within each of us, we do to ourselves um, through the use of um, chemicals, caffeine, sugar, tobacco, to alter our perceptions and other mood-altering drugs. There's also people on various spectrums of autism and people with synesthesia who perceive uh, things on different levels. 
So is it a simulation? Yes, because uh, I may be talking to someone who experiences something differently than, than myself. Patrick. I love this uh, addition to the conversation because so far we've been talking about, of course, right, this one universe that's out there and physically real in some way that we inhabit. But of course, we only get data about that through our perceptions um, and everything is colored by our perceptions and we have no idea whether somebody's really kind of perceiving the exact same stuff as we are. You know, there's sort of the philosophical question of, do you see the same blue as I do? And um, I think in a different thread, we were talking about schizophrenics see, perceive things at sort of a different frame rate uh, than other people. And as you mentioned, people on the autistic spectrum, uh, people in different um, altered states. So yeah, that's, I definitely think we sort of inhabit our, our own universe as well. And there's a deep relativism uh, kind of at the core of reality that we kind of need to recognize and grapple with. You've been listening to Anchor. To join the conversation you just heard, go to anchor.fm to download the app or find us in the app store. Thanks for listening.